0: Hello to you people in the future who are listening to another episode of Voices in My Head. Thank you for joining me today. Over the last few months, I've been honored to bring you great guests like Jason Gray, Sarah Groves, Michael Card, Andrew Peterson, Trip York, and Brian Zahn, just to name a few. It's been my pleasure to bring these podcasts to you, the listener free of charge. The fact is, though, that there are operating expenses when you do a show like this. So rather than make this a paid podcast... I wanted to give the listeners a chance to help out. The Voices in My Head audience has grown exponentially since I began broadcasting in January of 2012, and there are people who listen from all over the globe. Because of this, and because I want to keep the podcast free, I'm offering you a chance to sponsor an episode of Voices in My Head. Maybe you'd like to dedicate a show to a family member with a message for their birthday, or maybe you'd like to honor a loved one with some sort of special greeting. Perhaps you just want to showcase one of your websites or a business. So to sponsor an episode of Voices in My Head, simply send me an email with your ad to rljames29 at yahoo.com. If I approve your ad, then I'll let you know in a follow-up email. Then simply go to rickleejames.com. Click on the tab that says Tip Jar Podcast Sponsorship, follow the link to PayPal, and then leave your donation or sponsorship amount. If it sounds like a lot, then just send me an email, and I'll talk you through the steps. Thank you again for listening to Voices in My Head, and enjoy today's episode. I honor the Holy One inside you. Namaste. Live from Springfield, Ohio, it's Voices in My Head the official podcast of Rick
1: Lee James.
0: I'm Rick Lee James, and you're listening to Voices in My Head, if you hear this voice today. Welcome back, listeners. This is Rick Lee James, and I thank you for joining me for another episode of Voices in My Head. Today is Avenging Theologians... A symbol or something like that, because we're going to be talking about the Avengers movie over the next two podcasts, but really just using it as a jump-off point to talk about uh, some theological things, and so it's, it's kind of a neat thing. If you got to see the Avengers movie, then how lucky you are, because it was a really fun film. Uh, but this week, going to have my friend Greg Voiles uh, speaking and, uh, and talking with me in conversation. Also, uh, next week, it's going to be part two, and we're going to have back Matthew Cole, uh, who... This, that'll be his uh, second time on the podcast, so I'm really excited to bring you these next two Avengers-focused podcasts. So um, before we do that, though, just really quickly, and I do mean quickly, I've got a couple things to get out of the way and then go right into the interview today because it was a long conversation. First thing is, we have some feedback on iTunes. Wow. Feedback. Yes, our feedback, uh, the review comes from iTunes. And by the way, please feel free to go and submit a review to iTunes if you're enjoying the show because that helps us be more visible uh, in in the ranks and uh, helps get more downloads. So please, if you're enjoying the show, I'm, uh, I'm asking you to go to iTunes and leave a review. The latest one is by The Indie Nerd, and it says, In all honesty, this has been replacing any other music on our radio in my car. I think it has been the perfect blend of humor, spirituality, and all things superheroes. Rick does a fantastic job tackling some issues in Christianity and putting his point of view in a non-judgmental way. I recommend this to anyone who loves comics all the way to someone who just wants to learn about Christianity and theology. I hope the show keeps growing. I am just now trying to catch up to the current episode, but I'm enjoying it. It makes me think, pray, and laugh. Thumbs up, Rick. Thank you so much, Indie Nerd. I appreciate that, and thank you for your comment. And uh, I would appreciate anybody who uh, wants to leave a comment. And actually, I sent a prize to the Indie Nerd because I've been offering prizes, whether it's a CD by one of the artists who's been on the show, or myself, or a comic book. Uh, so uh, it's it's worth doing, and I I really appreciate it. If you want to say thank you, if if in some way you've enjoyed something about the podcast. Um, It really helps me out a lot if you could leave a review on iTunes. So thank you so much, and let's move into that ever-popular part of the show, the Question of the Week. week. Well, Question of the Week this week was, which Marvel Avenger do you personally relate to the most? And uh, I just used the Avengers from the movie because there's an infinite number of Avengers, it seems like, in the comic books. But uh, the choices were Captain America, Thor, Bruce Banner, Hulk, Black Widow, Iron Man, and Hawkeye. Matthew Cole wrote in Hawkeye and said in part because he always liked his character and because in the movie he is someone who is coerced in one point to the wrong side, but is still redeemable. And that's a great answer from Matt. And uh, the poll, I, I actually i have to apologize because Facebook keeps changing everything. And the question of the week, I can't find a good way to consistently put question of the week. So I did it through a poll this time. And according to the poll, we had a tie between Bruce Banner and the Hulk and Hawkeye. We had 50-50 of all the answers that we had come in. Um, so half of you thought you could relate to Bruce Banner and the Hulk, and half of you thought you could relate the most to Hawkeye as an Avenger. Well, Greg Voiles and I are going to be talking uh, about this uh, and a little bit at length and why we relate to each one. Again, uh, we don't either of us think that the Avengers was even intended to be a theological treatise or anything like that but it was just such a great movie and, and such a fun film, and uh, we both like comic books, and so I assembled uh, the theologians that I could for the next couple of weeks to talk, so I guess we can call this Avengers Assemble Theologian Version or Theologians Assemble or Avenging Theologians Assemble or something like that, but you're going to enjoy, I think, listening to the conversation that was had, especially if you enjoyed the Avengers movie at all, and it may give you a new way to think about things through a theological lens because all life as a believer really needs to be looked at through that lens i think it's important for us to be able to have a proper gospel paradigm so i'm not going to talk anymore we're going to get right into my interview this week with gregory Voiles. <laughs> Listeners, I am very pleased today to have what's going to be really kind of a two-part interview. And uh, um, initially I had this idea that with the Avengers movie coming out, and all of you that listen to this show know that I'm a huge comic book nerd, so it was just, you know, kind of like a dream come true to get to watch the Avengers on the big screen. And I thought, I want to have an Avengers of theologians assembling. Uh, I don't even know if that makes any sense. But I was going to do this thing where I got, like, several of my friends together, and we were going to talk about the Avengers movie and talk about some themes that were running through it that would maybe help us to actually have a discussion um, about faith and community and things like that. Um, Unfortunately, everybody had different schedules uh, that I had asked, and so... Uh, tonight, uh, when I'm recording this right now, I have the, uh, the first interview. It's just gonna be a one-on-one with an old friend of mine, Greg Voiles. And, uh, I'm gonna let Greg tell you in just a moment a little more about himself. But Greg has been a friend of mine since my freshman year of college. And, uh, it's, he's one of those guys that we've been good friends. And even if years go by and we haven't heard from each other, it seems like we can just kinda take up where we left off. And uh, I'm going to let Greg tell you about uh, what he's doing and his educational background just quickly, and then we're going to get into some discussion questions that I have uh, for this evening. Uh, A warning, there's a little bit of a delay. Um, He's actually out in the boondocks in Tennessee, and I'm here in Ohio, so there might be just a little bit of a delay between my questions and his answers, but we're going to try to do the best that we can for you tonight. So... Greg Boyles, welcome to Voices in My Head, and uh, tell us a little bit about yourself.
1: Well, I appreciate you having me on the podcast, Rick. Uh, I was thinking it is uh, unusual where I'm speaking from now. I'm I'm speaking from my hometown that I grew up in, in Jamestown, Tennessee, a small town in East Tennessee or the eastern part of Middle Tennessee, as I like to say, Uh, but I have not been living here lately. I just came back here, but I... Actually, uh, have been living in Washington D.C. for the last uh, four and a half to five years. Before now, I just moved back here in the last few weeks, and uh, I was living about a twenty-minute walk from the Capitol. <laughs> so it's a very, very different atmosphere being in uh, the rural South as opposed to uh, downtown Washington D.C. Uh, so an interesting contrast there. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, like like Rick said, I'm uh, I'm come from a similar background, at least in terms of the same college uh, that Rick and I went to. Uh, I guess it's been, you and I went to Trevecca College in Nashville, the Legislature University. I guess it's been, I, I graduated in 1997. Uh, I can't remember when you graduated. I think it was 98 or 99, if my memory is I correct. Was,
0: I was supposed to graduate in 99, but I squeezed four years into five and uh, graduated in 2000.
1: Well, great minds think alike. I managed to pull that off myself. And in fact, I, I um, went to after I went to I went to Nazarene Theological Seminary in Kansas City for an M. an M. D. of Master of Divinity after Churvalet, and uh, I managed to squeeze uh, that master's degree into five years as well. So, undergrad and and master's degree. It's that so i I aim to go for perfection since we. I'm from am a Wesleyan tradition of, of Christianity, then we have to go for perfection, so I'm going right. to be consistently perfect there.
0: So. <laughs> um,
1: but yeah, what's really occupied me um, the last, re- really the last uh, 15 years or so, uh, ending up my time in undergraduate and then going into uh, seminary in Kansas City and then even into D.C., uh, is really an interesting focus. I mean, I, I'm basically, I'm basically a hillbilly from a small town in Tennessee, but I ended up, I've ended up spending most of the last 20 years in the, in the core of urban areas, like Nashville and Kansas City and Washington D.C. Uh, and being involved in uh, kind of urban-focused Christian ministry, uh, any anywhere from, from it kind of sort of the gamut. Of uh, helping pastor in urban congregations, focusing on spiritual formation and things like working in the arts and that kind of stuff, uh, along with working uh, with homeless people and being a pastoral minister to folks with, dealing with homelessness issues, and and teaching at a federal penitentiary for a while and um, in a religiously based uh, program there. And then ended up going uh, back in 2006-2007, I came back to my hometown here for a year to spend time in the rural area, and uh, I ended up going from there to Washington, D.C., and that's where I've been the last uh, one and a half years or so, uh, working on a Ph.D. in uh, Christian theology. My my focus is uh, Christian spirituality, uh, with then a side focus in historical theology, so I look kind of at the the practice of Christian prayer and spiritual formation uh, and Christian worship and the, the tradition of practices like spiritual direction and that kind of thing uh, within the broader Christian tradition of spiritual formation and worship. And then kind of as a side, I look then along with that at uh, the history of Christian thought, so how that kind of blossoms, and I've looked a lot at um, the early church or at least the first seven centuries or so or look at things like um, things like Byzantine Eastern Christian thinking and, and then have looked a lot at medieval thinking and right now I'm I'm actually uh through Catholic University of America I'm trying to write a dissertation on a late medieval Flemish uh mystical theologian, not real well known in the English speaking world, which is good for me and I can find something to write on. <laughs> uh, but looking at a, a, a gentleman named uh, John von Ruiz's book, and kind of looking at his Trinitarian theology and the implications that it has for the way he gives spiritual direction to different communities in Europe through his letters uh, in the late Middle Ages. So and I'm, I'm hoping that'll be something that will not just be for nerds nerds like myself, uh, <laughs> although I guess I'm, I'm a pastor at heart first and foremost, and kind of an academic person second. Uh, but hopefully it'll be something that I can eventually get published in a form that'll be helpful also for people in ministry and thoughtful white people and. You know, people who just like reading about folks in the Middle Ages, <laughs> which there, are often yeah. misunderstood,
0: I must say. So. Well, and 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 who better than to have a person on tonight that has a degree in uh, in prayer and worship and spiritual formation and church history? Who better than to have a person like you on to talk about a movie where people are punching each other in the face? So, uh, you know. Exactly. That's what I would think. <laughs> so. Well that's great. Well that gives a, an excellent background just to kind of let people know who you are. And I'm going to get right in with the question because uh this is this is interesting uh to me and I I really want to hear your insights on it. And I know we both like to talk, so we'll have to try to keep our answers as brief as we can, but I also want to have a uh you know, a a discussion about some things that really came to my mind um after watching this movie. So, first question I have for you and and this is not Uh, anything deep as of yet but I'm just curious um, what kind of environment did you see the Avengers movie in Um, because I saw it in a I'll tell you mine while you think about what to tell me yours but I saw mine in a huge theater it had sold out uh, it was it was the first night like I didn't go to the midnight showing on you know early Friday morning at mid uh, Thursday at midnight or whatever but I went the Friday when it opened and all the shows were were selling out, the only one I could really get into was one about an hour and a half from when I arrived at the theater, and it was in 3D, and I got into the theater, and I wish I had brought a winter coat and mittens and a scarf, because it was freezing in there, I don't know why movie theaters do that, but I had some a very excited crowd around me, I had lots of people that were just talking about um, the Avengers movie, people that weren't you know, even comic book people, they just like, you know, fun movies like this, and there was just like an electric feel in the air, and people were lined up, like, to this theater. I, it's what I can only imagine what Star Wars must have been like the first time, so it's kind of just an exciting, like, movie-going experience. So what what was it like where you saw it the first time?
1: Yeah, I I actually saw the film uh, here in my hometown, the little movie theater. It's a it's pretty cool a little locally owned movie theater that a, a gentleman uh owns. Uh who actually it's kinda of funny, his name is Jimmy and he he puts the previews of the movies on an answering machine and of course he only has it's Jamestown, Tennessee, so we only yeah. have one one phone line going into the answering machine to, for the previews. And of course Jimmy is is hasn't even thicker southern accent than I do, and so he's, unless you're from this area, it's actually kind of difficult to understand what he's saying in the previews of the, of the movies, but I, I saw, saw the, uh, the, the movie in, in that little theater. It's actually, uh, up until just recently, you could still see uh, movies in there for $2 a uh, wow. piece, and uh, now it's only $4, which is still a lot cheaper than most places. So I, I, <laughs> I always think feel I, like, I think well, I... if you can watch a movie, it's...
0: Yeah, I think I paid, like, it was like $15 a ticket to see the one I saw. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> well,
1: yeah, you could have you could have probably, you know, if you would have balanced out the gas, it would have taken to get here, and the price, it probably would have been about the same thing. We could have watched the movie together if you would have come here, but... Uh, so I saw it there. It's it's actually it's a nice little theater, but it's not terribly large. I mean, the probably the seating capacity is probably about oh ninety people, maybe a hundred if you cram a lot in there, but more, probably about eighty to ninety people. And i I was in a similar situation. I came to watch the movie the second weekend. I think that it was playing here. And I expected to be able to go there like 15 minutes before it started and get a ticket, but much to my dismay, there, there were no tickets available for the 7 o'clock show, so I had to buy a uh, ticket for the 9.30 show, and I came back and, and watched it, and I watched it by myself, and it was interesting. It seemed to draw a large, uh, of course a lot of kids and a lot of teenagers uh, who were kind of like me. I'm, I'm, kind of, I'm a bit of a uh, comic book nerd myself. And uh or maybe just a nerd but, but comic <laughs> at at some point, comic book at some point. And uh and there there were a lot of teenagers there but, but there were also a number of adults. Uh so it was a kind of interesting age group mix of so little small town theaters where I saw it. I saw that I, I I couldn't imagine really watching it for the first time just on a television set or something. It's kinda yeah. the kind of experience no. you need to be in the theater to enjoy. Uh.
0: So it's definitely, you know, a film that right now has is, is got our culture's attention, for for better, for worse, whatever, and, you know, and it, it is a fun film. So uh, let me say this to listeners, um, I, I'm not going to try to get real spoilery with the movie. I, if you haven't seen it, I'm not going to try to tell you a whole lot about the film other than uh, – but there will be a little bit that I'm going to be asking, and, and we're probably going to be talking about parts of the film tonight because of just some things I want to discuss – um, so if you haven't seen it yet, you might want to pause the podcast, maybe, and go watch it <laughs> first, uh, or just skip this one and go to another podcast, but it, it really is, uh, an interesting film. It's a lot of fun. It's definitely what you call a popcorn movie, and so, you know, definitely, whether it was in a bigger place like I was, or in a smaller place, even in Jamestown, you know, Tennessee, which is a, a smaller town, um, just seems like the nation's, you know, Pulse is kind of on this right now, so for me, it's a it's a significant thing. I'm I'm happy about it because I like comics, but I think it's an important thing to kind of gauge where our mindset is too uh, as a culture. And and for right now, this is uh, for some reason or other captured the imagination. So, um, which kind of gave, gave me a reason to talk about it on this podcast. So, um, question of the week this week, Greg. I always do a question of the week. And you may not have a quick answer for this, um, and you've probably not thought about it, but which Avenger do you personally, and let's just keep this based to the Avengers in the movie that we saw, and not the comics, because there's like a thousand in the comic books, but (laughs) the Avengers in the movie, who do you think you most relate to?
1: most relate to? Well... I don't,
0: he, you know, I don't, I don't
1: know if I relate that much to any of them since I don't, don't seem to have that that much uh, in in line of super ability. <laughs> <anyway>. <laughs> but um, yeah, you know, I, I suppose that the one I would uh, relate to the most, I suppose, would be the uh, Bruce Banner character, uh, just in the sense of. Um, I've always had struggled with, I'm drawing an analogy here between his, his ability to, uh, or his curse I guess and it would be a more traditional way of looking at it in terms of his character, but uh, I think about his ability to turn green, get really big and muscular and, and start just ripping things to shreds. That uh, describes you perfectly. I, they, certainly, certainly. It, <laughs> yeah, despite, yeah, it's true. I mean, Rick, Rick ate lunch with me a lot in college, so he, he saw how I could tear apart a, a, a dinner plate with you know, bits of food remaining everywhere. I mean, I remember one? It seems like I, I remember correctly. One time, you told me that it always looked like I, after I ate, it always looked like a sasquatch had been through because there were bits of food and things laying, laying everywhere all over the plate, not very well
0: organized. It was definitely like the bottom um, of a Yeah.
1: <laughs> think the reason, I suppose the reason I would relate to him the most, uh, I I don't know that I relate with any of them terribly, uh, a a terribly great deal, but but with him, I guess I would relate with him the most because with him, he seems to be conflicted at least. Uh, You see this some in the movie, and as you think about the old uh, TV series, uh, The Incredible Hulk and the comic books and stuff, perhaps, there's certainly a sense in which he he runs from the, this enormous power that's sort of violently released in him and that has the ability to do, at times, at least some wonderful things. I mean, he, he certainly saves people at times that are in danger and, and being hurt by villains and things like that, uh, but at the same time, he, it it's a, a force that he certainly doesn't feel he has control of, and he knows can unleash as much harm, perhaps, as it can good. And, I suppose with myself, there's been times when I've uh, realized that I've had uh, been blessed with some uh, decently decently sound mind, a decently sound mind, and can uh, use those intellectual gifts and abilities to to accomplish some things. Uh, at the same time, I, I know that um, I can also use abilities that I've had in ways that can be destructive as well. And I'm one of these people who oftentimes is my um, my passion has sort of outran my my reason at times and sometimes I'll I'll not only stick my foot in my mouth but I'll stick my entire leg in my mouth and, and inevitably end up going back in my uh, driving anyway, apologizing to the people's feelings that I've hurt and and uh, I I hope that I'm gaining some wisdom as I get older, and God's uh, shaping those passions into healthy desires that really are hopefully loving and caring about people and using whatever gifts that I have for for the kingdom and for for people's good. But I, I still find myself from time to time being very passionate about, sometimes about very good things. I mean, I may be very passionate about you know, Christians being uh, folks that are, you know, uh, who embody reconciliation and and loving their enemies and caring about uh, the people that they live in close proximity to, Um, but there's been times where I can get very unchristian in the ways in which I can argue for that. So that would be the closest analogy or the... The, the closest uh, thing that I could find in terms of a character that I would relate with I'd like to relate with or you know be super handsome and have a really cool big big uh, hammer to throw around and stuff that I just <laughs> don't know that I'm out there the big dream ego guys probably my, my yeah. most close compatriot there what about yourself I'm curious to yeah, know, Well, which one you relate
0: to you know interestingly enough I probably would say the same character of Banner maybe for a little bit different reason though um not because I think I'm super smart or or because I think I can transform into something strong. But um, I, I think about that character just because, um, you know, when it comes down to who we are as humans, I think we all have this side of us that we don't want to let be seen. And it's something that comes out, and I think the only way to really... Uh, you know, face it and allow God to help us to become something more and actually use our weaknesses to become our strength. is to begin to allow those flaws and those things to be seen. And and Banner always walks around, um, you know, he's trying to control himself and he's trying to do all the best that's in his power to not let this um, darker side of him out, you know. And uh, it's interesting in the movie because it seems like uh, Tony Stark is really trying to help him, you know, Uh, kind of harness that and say, you know what, what you need to do is actually unveil that, uncover that, you know, and allow it to be used for something, you know, greater. Your pain and the things that hurt you can actually be used um, maybe for the good. And so instead of, you know, I think in the light of Christ, as we allow ourselves to become unveiled, uh, before him, I think there is something greater that can be used. But it's, it's interesting that, I, I, you know, depending on a given day, I might say any of them from uh, whatever I'm going through, and I don't relate very strongly probably to any of them either. But I do think that that character is very interesting to the human condition. But, um, well, let's move on a little bit. Uh, um, and I, I'm going to try to ask some different questions to you tonight and, and tomorrow, um Evening, I'm going to record a conversation with Matthew Cole, who's been a guest on the show before. And uh, I, I might overlap a little bit because I think some of the questions are interesting, but I'm going to try to go different places with you than I am with him. And uh, I'm trying to be conscious of time, too, because there's only so much I can put onto this podcast at once. So, um, so I want to sure, ask sure. you a question. Actually, um, there there's all kinds of movie reviews. There's all kinds of themes in the movie and things to go about it. I think to me one of the standout um performances as far as an actor, um I, I've I've lost his name. I should have written it down. Chris um uh he played Captain America, Chris Evans, I think was his name. Uh and I always
1: Yeah, but, yeah, just
0: yeah. yeah but, but. Before he played Captain America, I always thought of him as just kind of this frat boy character because like every movie I'd ever seen him in, including when he played the Human Torch in Fantastic Four, he always just played this like party guy who's kind of irresponsible. And I thought, oh man, I you know, he's okay in that role. I can't imagine him being Captain America who has to take on this leadership and very mature type role. And I thought, I was so amazed, like he did a good job, you know, of that. And he and he made me buy what he was uh what he was selling, so to speak, as Captain America. But one thing that was interesting, I, I a little a thing I was leery about with the character of Captain America, and this goes back to the Captain America film and then into this Avengers film, I was scared that they were gonna go so nationalistic with him that because he is Captain America, that we were just gonna get this I bleed red, white, and blue, and no matter what, I'm going to bow to the flag and do whatever my country says. And I felt like in the film we, we had uh, not only a person who actually abhorred violence and, and didn't, didn't enjoy violence. matter of fact, in the first uh, the movie Captain America, that they did with Chris Evans, I love the line where uh, the doctor asks him, "Do you want to kill Nazis?" And he says, "I don't want to kill anybody. Uh, I just don't like bullies." and i really thought that was an interesting perspective that he had on that because i you know i consider myself pretty much a pacifist and as much as any of us can be i think um but then when we get into this film too um it was interesting because as as they're taking him off to battle and he's not into his captain america suit yet and i can't remember his exact words but he says something about um he doesn't know if he wants to get back in the red, white, and blue. He thinks that basically the nation has been a disappointment, you know, to people. And he wants to help people in the situation, but he doesn't know if he wants to be associated with the kind of injustices that we've been associated with. And somebody says to him, I think it was Agent Colson, says, you know, maybe they need somebody to show them, um, you know, what we were supposed to be. And So it was just an interesting thing. So there actually is a question I'm leading up to here. That was just a preface. Um, But with this idea of I'm waiting for a question. Yeah, I know, I know. Uh, But with the idea of nationalism (laughs) and uh, you know Captain America being you know with his hesitancy and everything, and um, the question is, uh, is it is it unpatriotic to to challenge your leadership, and is it unpatriotic to challenge um, things that your country is doing? And so maybe just give me a couple thoughts on that. What do you think?
1: Yeah, well, the, I mean, the short answer would be certainly, I, I would think, uh, even, even from a perspective of the United States, I try to say this on myself to say the United States or the United States of America because I get kind of tired of the whole uh, mantra that's sort of normal now that America America equals the United States. When I, I have friends who are, uh, you know, from South America or Canada or whatever, and they're 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 like, well, you know, we're part of America. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you guys aren't yeah. the only thing that constitutes to America. Captain uh, North America, but uh, it's kind of to Yeah, Captain North America. Um, I I mean, the short answer, I think, would be no, even from the perspective of the United States. I mean, now, asking most of us as as citizens of the United States to have a deep understanding of history is a a really far reach, I think, these days. I mean, I'm trying not to sound arrogant with that, but I just, I find that, Ju- there, there's just such a little awareness of the, the details of the history, even, even of uh, even of this country, that many of us find ourselves being citizens of. Um, that it's pretty. I mean, I, it, honestly, it's just disturbing to me at times, even from people who are uh, teachers. And I mean, I, I can't understand, for the life of me, how one could, you know, be uh, no, abs- you know know almost nothing about uh, the history of the United States and yet have a talk show or radio show where one is (laughs) pontificating about, you know, about governmental politics and history and things. And I don't just mean that from the side of the Bill O'Reilly's and the Sean Hannity's, and I I certainly don't have much respect or any real interest in what those guys have to say. But, I mean, it's the same from the, the other, sort of the other side. Which really is just the other side of the coin to me, but they like to think they're terribly different. Uh, if one speaks of, say, Keith Oberman or something like that, I mean, it's not that Keith Olbermann necessarily has the credentials that you know we should listen to him either. Yeah. Uh, so it, I don't want to just bash the quote-unquote right wingers. You know, there I, I don't find a lot of helpful commentary on governmental politics and American history on much of any uh, any news stations or or t- television stations in the United States, although I do, I do find some on public broadcasting, which is interesting since it's not corporately controlled. <laughs> that, that, that's an interesting point. You would find Bill Moyers and Charlie Rose and some some folks there who I think give a little more uh, in-depth response to government politics and American history. But, so the awareness factor of I mean, folks in the United States, the, the lack of awareness that we have, is pretty disturbing to me. Yeah. But, even given that situation, I think if one looks at the history of the United States, one ought to be able to say, uh, you know, I'm, the pers- I'm a person who doesn't have a lot invested in patriotism. I don't have a particularly high regard for it. I, I come from a very, uh, decorated military family and background, but I don't find that, of, I mean, as I've looked closer at Jesus over the years, and, uh, uh, over the years, I've, I've found that I, I don't find a lot compatible with at, at least at least a rabid kind of patriotism and uh, following Jesus, because the, the the allegiances that we have to Christ and the kingdom of God can, can very easily come into conflict with an allegiance to a nation-state. But that being said, I think as I've gotten older, I've tended to at least try to start making more of a place and an understanding for uh, an expression of patriotism by Christians, and so I don't want to say that there can be no expression of patriotism by Christians. I think there can be some, perhaps, perhaps some somewhat healthy expressions, but I certainly think it has to be subservient to kingdom concerns. Uh, all that being said, I think it, I think it is possible to, and, and really, probably the duty of a citizen, at least of a nation-state like the United States, is probably the duty of a citizen to be critical of their leaders uh, and question question, authority. So I, I think that's a good thing to do. And uh, whatever democracy is, and I, I don't want to have any romanticized notions of democracy. I mean, uh, uh, Hitler had a 70% majority vote when uh, he was elected, so I don't want to romanticize democracy, but, uh, but whatever exactly it is, it probably ought to involve conversation and disagreements, and and uh, so I think that should be the case. So yeah, I think that's a little bit, a bit of a longer unpacked answer, but in short, I think yeah, one should be able to say one is patriotic whilst still being critical of uh, governmental leadership, or, or leaders I guess in
0: any context. Right. And I think I'm right there with you in in what you were saying. I I don't, you know, find myself to be an overly uh, patriotic person in the regard that, you know, I that I feel like I should um have a a special loyalty um to one certain people over another because I I believe in the totality of God and his creation and the world that he has created and um, you know, it's it's interesting because, you know, you, you can know more um, you know, brag about being an American than you can brag if you you were born good looking or if you <laughs> were born with blue eyes or if you were born with ever. because frankly we're just born here, you know, but it's, it's God's earth, you know, sure. where we're at. But I, I think about that question, uh, to me, it, what you said I loved about um, your patriotism needs to be under the, maybe I should put it this way, it needs to be under the lordship of the true lord because um we we can't have this blind patriotism and I I kind of like how they brought this out with Captain America's character in the movie who's supposed to represent you know patriotism which can be a very dangerous thing if it's uncontrolled I liked how he was finding himself in an age he didn't understand and I feel like so many of us are finding ourselves in that right now. And, uh, you know, if if you've been like I used to be at one time in my life, believe it or not, you know, it was it was like, you know, love it or leave it, flag wave in America whatever. And then as I started to understand Jesus more and started to understand the Bible and understand that Jesus was no real friend to the government in his day, he was uh, he was following God in a different sort of kingdom. And the other one didn't really even factor in that much. Um, it's interesting how in this film that they take Captain America as the one who is kind of questioning some of the things around him, and wondering, you know, what, like whether even warring is an interesting thing. And I, I find it very interesting that that Captain America's weapon—I don't know why it stood out to me in this film so much—but his weapon is not a, a sword or a machine gun or anything that. Most of the time, he does shoot some gun some in the film, but he's got this shield. And it's it's as if he's a protector, you know, and it's it's an interesting thing because that's just a defense, you know, where he is. And it seems like people are always coming down and he's just blocking with the shield. Um, but I thought that was an interesting choice in the film to make him someone that um, was actually questioning things and trying to wonder how fully does he follow... Um, you know, a nation that may be calling him to do some immoral things. So I I really liked that choice. I thought it was an interesting way to make him wrestle in both films. So, um, well, anyway, moving on from that, one one reason that I think sometimes we follow so blindly um, into a a negative sort of patriotism, maybe I should just put it that way, is... um, Sometimes maybe we have a and, – and this gets back to what you said about people not understanding truly their history and their background. I think sometimes we have a comic booky understanding of good and evil. And um, basically what I say in the comic books, especially older comic books, and uh, you have a good guy and you have a bad guy. And the good guy is completely good. And the bad guy is completely bad. The good guy, his only purpose in life is to keep things good and to stop the bad guy. <laughs> and and the bad guy, you know, whether it's whether it's GI Joe or you know He Man or whatever it is you're watching, Superman, Lex Luthor, you know, the villain has always got just one thing in mind: I want to do bad for the sake of doing bad. And ha 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 ha! You know, <laughs> it's like, and there's an evil laugh. So. And 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 don't you think, too, that, that that is a dangerous notion? I mean, it's it's great for a movie. It's great for a comic book. It's great for teaching kids right and wrong and trying to do right. But that so oversimplifies the issue, you know, that we're coming into. Um, and, and maybe that's one reason that films like The Avengers we like so much, because it is like clear-cut in that film who the good guy is, who the bad guy is, you know, even though there's some bickering and fighting among... Um, but do you think that that has something to do with some of the problems that we have um, when nationalism overtakes us? Do you do you think that maybe that's some of our problem is we're not looking deeper into the issues that are the cause of evil things happening? We're just looking at it blindly as, well, they're bad and we're good.
1: Yeah, I think that's true. I think there, there are probably a number of factors, in there, but I think that's probably one of them. Um, I think the one of the things that uh, that I find helpful uh, in dealing with, with issues like this is from from our Christian tradition, from the Christian faith, teaches us that, well, you pointed out uh, with Jesus, I mean, Jesus as incarnate God is the expression to us of what it means to be fully God but expressed in human form. And so not only is, uh, do we see the 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 perfect glorious picture of God in flesh, but we also see a full human being. And I think when we look at Jesus, then we we can't make the mistake of saying, and there's and this this sort of mistake has a background at least in North American Christianity. Um, back during the uh, during World War II and in the aftermath of World War II, you had figures like uh, uh, a gentleman named Reinhold Niebuhr, who was uh, a Christian theologian who sort of espoused something that he sort of described as you know, Christian realism. And, uh, and he one of the there are different facets of Niebuhr's thought, but one of one of the things that Niebuhr sort of pushed was that uh, in this course you can find different expressions of this throughout Christian history, but it was a particularly powerful expression in the twentieth century and continues. To influence a number of people, I mean, uh, uh, the um, uh, President Obama is is uh, certainly influenced by by Reinhold Niebuhr To some degree. Uh, Martin Luther King Jr. Uh, was influenced by, by Niebuhr. I think studied with Niebuhr, although he did differ from Niebuhr in some significant ways. But uh, one of the facets of Niebuhr's thinking was is that Christ, as he uh, taught. Uh, for instance, in the Sermon on the Mount, when he said to love your enemies and to do good with those who persecute you and turn the other cheek when one person slaps you, turn the other cheek to them, uh, don't respond to evil with evil, but respond to evil with good, uh, uh, and be, basically be willing to take up your cross and to suffer. Weber um, really wanted to talk about how that wasn't sort of a, the Sermon on the Mount wasn't a template for disciples of Jesus, the Christian community, the church, the body of Christ. It wasn't a template for how we should be living in relationship with one another and the wider world on a large scale. He sort of saw it as something that was uh, more on uh, individual relationship levels, but he, and not about larger governmental political realities, and the, the way nations make decisions and stuff like that, uh, he, he sort of talked about how, it, in not being about those larger social realities, it was sort of, uh, it kind was of an ideal that really couldn't be fully actualized by human beings very well. And so it was sort of an ideal to show you, and some of this comes from a Lutheran tradition of, of uh the. Jesus' Sermon on the Mount is to show you where you just always come up short kind of thing. But through, uh, there are a number of different writers uh, throughout the history of Christianity, whether that be uh, Gregory Nyssa or Maximus the Confessor or Teresa of Adela, Thomas Aquinas, more recently Anabaptist theologians like John Howard Yoder, the, the folks who have shown us that that really is, is, first of all, it's just a bad reading of the Sermon on the Mount. It doesn't work within the context of the New Testament and the Gospels. Uh, it, I think it's pretty clear that this is an expression of how the normative life for Christian disciples, yes, of course we fail, but, but the Spirit has the power to transform us and make our relationships and lives Bible look like Jesus. And so... That I, I think I point that out because we really, like you said a while ago, we start out with Jesus as fully human. When we look at Jesus, we don't see someone who's hopelessly not human. He's, he's what it means to be fully human. So when we live sinfully, we live violently, we shouldn't say, well, we're just human. No, we should say, no, we're, we're sinners. But when we're fully human, we look like Christ mm. by the power of the Spirit. And so that those, that template of living is not just for some impossible idea, but really is to be the of life for Christian disciples. And that, in, in looking at Jesus, then to see how he relates to the government and to leadership on national scales, I mean, that's the normative way for us. Uh, now, that doesn't mean that we can't call the nation states that we're a part of. I like the United States to do good things. I mean, I think Martin Luther King Jr. is a great example of a faithful Christian who lives faithfully toward the kingdom, but then works to transform aspects of his if, of the the structure and pattern of relationships in the nation-state. And so, uh, there can maybe, if that's your model, that can be a healthy form of, of patriotism. But I do think, in saying that, I would want to say that if we orient ourselves around Jesus. That can help us to not have this really black and white picture that you're talking about, because Christ teaches us that not just Americans or not just people from the United States, but we're all in need of the love of the one He called Father, and we're all in the need of being transformed. And so it kind of can, it can sort, it, it does what uh, August, Saint Augustine in the third and fourth century. And Thomas Aquinas in the Middle Ages would talk about uh, the love for God, the Father through Christ. When we're caught up in that, the Spirit can begin to harmonize our desires, our loves, around the central love for God that had been uh, screwed up and messed up in the fall. And once that happens, then that orders or harmonizes our desires for good things like family and our cities and our countries and the, the market, the, the, the business and things like that, it really can, can begin to harmonize these things because these are not bad things. Family is not a bad thing, but it can become a bad thing when it becomes an idol to be worshiped for so when our desires are harmonized around the desire for God, then that's when we can begin to have a glimpse of what it would mean to live in a way that has a healthy kind of patriotism and doesn't see this magic line at the border of Florida or Texas where somehow we have this magical connection with all these people that live within the, these borders and we're all citizens of this country and we have this almost mystical connection with them. And then, But when you step magically past that border, then you don't have that mystical connection with those people who are in, say, Mexico or who are up in Canada or something like that that we are all even beings in need of God. So so there could be a, a healthy expression of patriotism. And I don't want to I don't want to just disparage people who do believe in patriotism. There are some good folks who believe in that. And and I, I want to make a place in my thinking for that. And I want to be gracious to folks. Uh, but I think that is a is a way that we can begin to sort of Discern how not to see things so black and white, or how not to be blinded by patriotism. Is to have our first love be the Father through Christ, and then that can teach us when we're treading on idolatry with our nationalism uh, or not.
0: Right. Well, very, very good, good answer there. And um, I, I think trying to move away from just that, um, you know, black and white thinking. I think it's something that we can challenge those who uh find themselves to be in in the uber patriotic camp it's it's good for us to challenge those beliefs on their behalf because they need someone to help them see but on the other hand it's it's also good for them to speak to us as well and i I think about the the person that teaches my Sunday school class at church every week um was you know um a uh, he was wounded in in Vietnam and um, had an experience there with one of his uh, sergeants actually led him to Christ, um, and it, it's very it couldn't couldn't be more of a different background, you know, as far as him to me. And I've never served in one of those situations, um, and it's it's interesting because a lot of our conversation in Sunday school class, um, he comes from a place of feeling like he really was used in that situation, uh, you know um in his patriotism led him to find Christ and then actually led him to find a sergeant who went into villages and actually brought care and helped people and was compassionate and um it it's kind of an interesting thing who I you know I almost tend to run the other way but I need people like him to be a voice to me as well to remind me that God can use us in all of those places in our lives. And so I appreciate that. And that leads me to the last thing I think we're going to have time to talk about tonight, because I think we're going to be hitting, getting close to an hour after this. But community is what I wanted to talk about tonight. The kingdom of God is made up of all sorts of people. And it's, you know, if you look at just the disciples themselves, you had people who were, you know, Uh, what they would call zealots who, you know, in, in some ways, I think we could compare them in a lot of ways to some modern day terrorists in their zeal to, you know, even overthrow the government, even in violent ways to get their way and come back. And you have people who were more devout, you know, Jews and people who were more peace lovers. You had people who were educated, people who were not, people who were fishermen. So even just in the disciples, you have all these different types of people and one thing that's interesting about this movie, The Avengers, is all the other movies, you know, we've seen where they have this individual hero. And they are, you know, superhuman in some way, but that they're just that, too. They're human. They're people who are flawed. They're people who have pride. They're people who have jealousy. They are uh, people who really have, you know, uh, deception in them to a certain extent. And we see that in the films. They're people of bitterness, and in the Avengers movie, when they all come together, um, immediately there's infighting, their imperfections begin to come out, um, their selfishness begins to come out in those places. But I think as we see as the as the movie progresses in the story, in any healthy community, the way it should be, and I think the community of the kingdom of God is what calls us to come away from the infighting to a place of peace with each other and to come from our imperfections to a place of wholeness or holiness and a place of selfishness to selflessness. And I I think that that is the purpose of community. Did, Did you have any thoughts, Greg, just about maybe even the kingdom of God and what we are called to be when you were kind of watching this film and things going on? Because I think there's a misconception that in the church we don't have arguments, and we don't have struggles, and we don't have fights, but the church is a human institution that is brought together by a divine God. And so we're in the process of becoming the kingdom of God. But did you have any, like, thoughts about this through the Avengers, about community?
1: Yeah, I it, well, I, you know, I, I think, you know, the uh, I, I think a, a review of the movie that, that you and I, and I, and I apologize, I don't remember the name of the author, but... Uh, a review that you and I and a couple of other friends, uh, like Trip York, who you had on a few weeks back, may have been actually the one to recommend this. I can't remember, but the review uh, said that um, that we can't, sort of have to be honest about uh, the Avengers movie, and I think this is the perspective I come from with it. I think probably. I I just think it's fun (laughs) more than anything, honestly. I just, I enjoy a lot of flying around and, you know, kung fu kicking, you know, that kind of thing. (laughs) You know, someone who who, uh, definitely wants to push more for nonviolence. I mean, I do enjoy, I have to confess my sin, of enjoying you know, the superheroes, you know, destroying stuff.
0: But I see um, that hand.
1: But I, you know, I do
0: do what? I said, I see that hand. (laughs) <laughs> yeah i mean um so i i do
1: sort of think the review, the reviewer wrote that i, I do think it's it's certainly true that for all the good things that that the adventures would want to point out in terms of like the group of people coming together and that kind of thing but the the fantastic nature of all the the uh the, the battles and that kind of thing sort of Really outshines a lot of that, but I do think some of them are are there and could be teased out more. I I'd suppose a, a film like, like say The Watchmen or something like that would speak is a superhero film that would probably speak a little bit more profoundly to those realities, uh, uh, but is not it certainly doesn't have the all kind of fun fun factor of the, the ice cream Sunday that I think the uh, the reviewer used. So you know, I do do think I have to confess that sort of perspective. Sure. Mostly I enjoy the film, but but it can lead us in these directions and discussing this and, and I think what you're saying there is um yeah, I, I, I think what we have to do with something like the Avengers is to is to maybe point in a direction to where we can, uh, from say a Christian perspective, talking uh more I guess robust or rich ways about what community looks like, and I think you know one of the things we can't do is just to, to have uh, a friend of mine. She's been telling me recently that she's really tired of the uh, sort of the abstract nature that a lot of uh, seminary students and graduate students in theology talk about the concept of community with, uh, but then and then critique individualism, but then their own lives oftentimes are not very. Uh, knit together in communities very intensely, and they're they're oftentimes just as individualistic in the way we actually live, other than just having sort of a, a gnostic sort of appreciation for something called community. but uh, but I do think there is really if we allow the uh, koinonia or the or the communal knitting together of us as people into the body of Christ, with her patterns of relationships, the way we love one another, the way we call one another to accountability, the way we argue and fight, the way we disagree, the way we uh, serve in the liturgy and then serve together, serve one another uh, by ministering to one who is those hurts, by caring for the poor, by, by standing against injustice, as we allow the Spirit to knit our relationships together in a way that really becomes an icon of Jesus there. With all of our flaws... Uh we can really enter into a rich, not just gnostic discussion of community, but really can we can we can have discussions that can enrich our lives of actually living together and and I think this is what my friend is pushing for that she wants to see that on the ground and I think that is a reality I mean one of the things and I think this connects back to some of what we were talking about with how can we be patriotic and yet be a christian uh I think part of what Christian community can allow us to do is really see in one another and hear from one another the truth about our lives, that John Wesley, one of our forebears in Methodism, gathering together with brothers and sisters where we can, with love and gentleness, really tell each other the truth about our lives, confess our lives, and also call each other on some hard things. And I think part of that means seeing one another fully as we are. And I guess I'll, I would just end up my answer with, in a way, I, I think this example, can maybe, maybe connect with each piece that we've talked about here. Uh, being from where I'm from, uh, we uh, we, one of our citizens from our county here, is alvin sergeant alvin c york uh, he was a world war one hero uh, people who do study the history of the united states will know about him he came from this area a very simple country hillbilly type guy uh, who had recently become a christian as world war one rolled around and was part of a a wesleyan sort of holiness kind of tradition uh church called the church of Christ and christian union and he had started to develop some real convictions about not killing. The Christ said, "You you shouldn't kill," and he was very hesitant to to enter the draft the, when he was drafted. He was very hesitant to go fight in World War One. He was very torn, and he prayed and sought the guidance of brothers and sisters in his church. Uh, I'm not sure he got the best guidance all the time, but but he ended up going, and he he. Uh, ended up helping capture he and just a couple of other uh, United States soldiers ended up capturing a large number of German soldiers and he was revered for this. There was a movie made about him. Gary Cooper played Sergeant York and and uh, but the thing is that a comic book picture of Sergeant York like you were talking about made him out to be could easily make him out just to be almost like a warmonger uh, to have the kind of blind patriotism that just would say, well, whatever the government tells me, I don't care if I'm having allegiance to Jesus or not, if the government tells me to go kill people, I go kill people, (laughs) you know, but Sergeant York was not that way. He was very torn and conflicted, and after he came back from the war, he used all his fame and notoriety not to gain accolades for himself, but he started uh, schools in the Fenters County area for a very poor area of the country. He began to become educated and became a famous public speaker who really called for, for reconciliation among nations and really understanding one another and working out differences in ways that don't involve violence. And when I was really struck by this, as I've been learning more about him and getting beyond the sort of comic book uh, you know, lover to lead type of mentality with even someone like Alan C. York is that when there's the story that one of his sons tells, Sergeant York's sons tells about when he went back to France to visit the place where he fought the famous battle that made him so famous. And when he went back there, what his reaction was was, I, I thought was just lovely, is that he didn't glory in the accolades that he had, but he actually knelt and prayed and he wept. And he said that he wept for his fallen comrades, his fellow soldiers, and uh, U- U.S. soldiers, and he also wept for the German soldiers that he killed and that he, he conquered and that he wanted there to be a better way forward. Now, he supported World War II, so it wasn't like he went back to becoming a pacifist, but Alvin C. York very much wanted people to be educated, and he wanted people to learn to live together and to learn to understand one another. And for him, this came a great deal from the teachings of Christ and following Christ and being filled with Christ's Spirit. And so I think that's, if there is any kind of, I'm not always sure there is, but there, if there is a healthy expression of patriotism, I would want to point to a Christian like Alvin C. York and a full non-comic book type black-and-white picture of him like that. And I think we can gain much more wisdom from someone like that than sort of the idols that we built for ourselves.
0: Very true. Well, I'm glad you mentioned uh, Sergeant York because I I remember watching that movie and being quite affected by it when I was growing up. And uh, the movie was actually pretty well done and it did deal a lot with his struggle uh with that. And so I, I I think that's a good note for us to end on today because um again, we're we're talking about some things that are when it comes to life, when it comes to war, the suffering of people and decisions we have to make and even um you know, violence and and what what part should a Christian have in that? Um it's good for us to just begin to step away from just those old black and white viewpoints and start saying that these are some complex issues. Um, that we need to deal with that that we need to take the words of Jesus seriously and you know again with Sergeant York somebody like him who I have a great deal of respect for as well whether you agree with him or not entirely on you know but some people would go well he ultimately went to war so you know who needs him And, and I don't I don't hold that view at all I feel like he's a person that that struggled with the gospel and grappled with it and, and, you know, sought the advice of others. And ultimately, that's really, I think, the idea of, you know, what God gave us this community we call the church for, is to be a people that can struggle through these things together and uh, to start looking at life together um, in in a beautiful way that we don't minimize the pain, the suffering, and even the decision to go to war that others may have at times, we need to to put ourselves into um, the the great huge decision that is, that's going on the shoulders of people that are doing that. so well, I'd love to to talk all night, but there's only so long I can go with the podcast each week, and this is going to be part one of uh, part two is going to be with uh, Reverend Matthew Cole. And again I think Greg and I both have acknowledged that you know the Avengers is not any great you know any great spiritual christian work or anything but any chance uh it was just simply a fun movie and it really is a fun film uh it it's a lot of fun to watch and even just you know kind of go turn your brain off for a little while and say wow look at those explosions but the purpose of this conversation is just hey you know what we're we're comic fans but it actually gives us a chance a catalyst to actually talk about a few things that are are not fanciful and so, uh, Greg, thank you for, for being here tonight. Once again, this is Greg Voiles that was my guest tonight. And, Greg, do you have any, just before we close tonight and, and in the recording part of this conversation, uh, any any presence online or anything that, that you would like to share if people maybe wanted to talk to you more about anything that we've discussed tonight?
1: Well, I mean, certainly the, you can uh, Facebook friend me uh, a couple of uh, places uh, I do some dialogue on the internet. Uh some I've not done as much recently but but I think it's still a place where I would definitely love to dialogue. One is a is a, a website uh that some friends of mine edit and I've contributed to to some called the Land of Unlikeness. Uh it's for www.thelandofunlikeness.com dot dot com, I believe. It may be org, but I think it's dot com.
0: That wasn't Greg, I'm sorry the Land that. Of Greg. I'm I'm sorry for the delay. That wasn't yeah. very that wasn't very clear what you said. Did you say the land of likeness?
1: Uh, the land of
0: unlikeness. Of unlikeness.
1: M-L-I-H. Yeah. The land of dot com. Okay. Uh it's a it's a good it's a it's a my friend uh, Daniel Klein is the editor of it. It hasn't had uh, as much activity lately, but we have interactions around culture and theology and and uh, art on there. And also, too, something more recently uh, that a friend, uh, Tony Baker, uh, Dwayne, or er, uh, not Dwayne, <laughs> the basketball player, Daniel Daniel McClone, uh, Daniel Wade McClain, my friend who edits that uh, website, The Land of Unlikeness, also uh, is part of another uh, discussion that's been uh, instigated by a friend, Tony Baker, who, who teaches at the Seminary of the Southwest and Episcopal Seminary in Austin, Texas. Uh, He and Pete Candler and Scott Bader Says started a site that has a presence on on Facebook and and on the internet called The the Theology Studio. Uh, The Theology Studio in the Land of Unlightness, those are places that sometimes I have conversation on the internet I try to be disciplined about not getting into too heavy conversations on the Internet because it's not always the, the most truthful play, way to have the conversations. And sometimes people say nasty things that, they, that we shouldn't say on there, but to one another that we would never say in person. But uh, but I, those are two places that I think are doing some good work on reflecting.
0: Hello, I lost you right at the end there.
1: <laughs> hey, sorry about that. I don't know what happened there. It just kind of make a plunk
0: well the, the you you had just said uh, uh, your your final piece and we got i think all your information that you gave out so uh we'll go ahead and end the recording right here but thank you again Greg uh Greg Boyle's for being one of the voices in my head this week on this Theologians Assemble podcast
1: thanks a lot Rick it was, it was fun
0: that's going to wrap up part one of the theologian, Avengers Assemble, or whatever we're going to call this, something to do with Avengers and Theologians Assembly. But we've gone over an hour just a little bit, and I'm trying to keep it in that hour range. So uh, thank you, Greg Voiles, for being on the program today. Next week, look forward to part two. We're going to be continuing the discussion that revolves around some themes from the Avengers movie, and we're going to actually answer some different questions. But Matthew Cole will be back with us that week uh, for part two, so uh, don't miss it. It's going to be a great thing. I, I really feel like you're you're going to enjoy it. The conversations were very fruitful, I believe. So thanks for listening to this episode of Voices in My Head. God bless you and have a great week. You've been listening to Voices in My Head, the official podcast of Rick Lee James. If you'd like to know more about me, my ministry, my music, my life, go to my website at rickleejames.com. You can also download my free mobile app from iTunes and on the Android Marketplace. And I'd love this to be a community experience, so if you call 937-505-0162, you can leave feedback...